welcome to Plex Weather. We've had a week off and now we're back at it, coming off of a 2-1 victory for the Spirit. Joining me to talk about that game as well as the next game, also against the exact same opponent, the Chicago Red Stars. I've got my uh, fellow standing in the Segra Field uh, stands, uh, surrounded by almost no one. Uh, Emily Olson is joining me. Uh, Emily, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, the privileged few that get to witness <laughs> soccer and, and confirm that it is actually happening. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it, it's been weird, uh, I think, above all, because you and I have both been covering the Spirit as well as DC United. So we've been at several games now with no fans or, in the Spirit's case, a handful of friends and family. Um, and it's it's nothing if not strange every single time. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It is. And it's, it, it was interesting, those two, or at least uh, the last game in particular, where we did the, the back-to-back Washington Spirit um, in Loudoun County um, and then mm-hmm. into the city at Audi Field for D.C. United, um, which I had a little bit of a delay getting to Audi Field. But it's interesting because, as you know, but I don't know if, if everyone knows, at Segra, there's no, uh, it's quiet. You, you can hear Richie perfectly, very clear, whereas uh, <laughs> DC United has opted to do the pumped-in crowd noise in the stadium, um, you know, not just on the broadcast. So even that is kind of, is, is something that is so strange, especially like last weekend. I, I just noticed it completely mm-hmm. uh, going from, from being able to kind of tune in to the coaches and I, definitely after hearing Rory and uh, Rory James and, and Richie Burke last weekend and then into this like weird fake crowd noise it was it was jarring for sure yeah it's uh I mean you know at both venues there are um you know, there have been a uh for for spirit fans you probably heard on the if you weren't out in the parking lot you probably heard on the broadcast um the spirit squadron brought their drums and were doing chants from the parking lot uh for the second straight week which is really cool um and at dc it's been kind of the same there have been a few fans um out to one side but like you said but with, with the oh, go yeah ahead. with segra they're there they're right yeah yeah like Audi, they, there's a little bit of the, the fans, you know, you can kind of hear the drums, but there's still that wall, whereas at Segra, mm. they're in the parking lot, and it is, <laughs> they can, I, I'm sure that they can see a lot of the game, and mm-hmm. the, obviously the noise, I know that the players were able to hear as well, the Spirit Squadron. Yeah, they, they uh, you know, it was, it was, it's one of those things where uh, you can just sort of crane your neck around the corner and get a look at them, and that you know they've got the view of the one goal box, um, so mm-hmm. so they can see action at one of the fields. So uh, I actually I don't know if they actually got a good look at the goal, the game winning goal itself, or the equalizer because they were both at the the end uh, that the squadron uh, might have been able to see a little bit of. But um, it's definitely one of those bizarre soccer in COVID times experiences for sure. Um, speaking of that. Um, this this game this this two one win over the Red Stars. Um, I, I I know I had a different, um, fully unique experience, which was a uh, trying to I was trying to type up what was going on with the Jesse Scarpa stoppage time uh, game winner, and I had to briefly stop and just hold my computer because several Spirit players were near enough to me celebrating and bumping into the. Uh, the small table that is up there that the table was shaking. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna be able to type like this. I have to wait a second. Um, Which is, it's rare to be part of uh, the celebration to that degree uh, when you're trying to cover a game. And you also can't like hide away in any of this as well. Like when you're there and you're, especially if you're, you're near the players, I mean, it's just you and them. They, so you're you're kind of again in this elite group of people that are allowed to are privileged to now see these games in person, but like where you're used to having barriers or having mm-hmm. other people there, and you when when players are in street clothes, do you fully like recognize it's them? It's just you and them. You're like almost walking together. It's it's yeah. um, it, it is very weird. Um. Yeah, it's the the whole thing has been nothing if not strange. I'm sure for the players as well. Um, 
which uh, we should be uh, hearing later in this episode or possibly in episode two. I haven't decided how that's going to go, but um, I'll be talking to uh, someone from the spirit about the weirdness of all of this. And I'm sure the answer is going to be, yeah, it's weird. Um, but yeah, you know, this game we're talking about um, the win, first of all, um, beating the Red Stars 2-1, coming from behind, uh, giving up a goal in the 26th minute to Sarah Lubert, but then uh, Savannah McCaskill's red card late in the first half kind of turned the game around and all of a sudden um, the spirit, I mean, I, I want, I almost caught my, I'm catching myself because I almost said they put Chicago under a ton of pressure for the entire second half, but it was really, it took a while. Uh, I feel like it took them a while to get to that point. What were your overall thoughts of this, this kind of, this game that was kind of split in half by before the red card and after? Yeah, absolutely. I, well, one more note on the, the, the strangeness of it and watching with the, the players, I, there was a moment in the Chicago game. I, I, it was such a fleeting moment. I can't tell you what particular play was happening, but uh, Tori Huster, who is obvious, she's been injured. She's, I think she's now out of her walking boot, um, but still recovering from some ankle issues, was shouting to Paige Nielsen what to say to the back line. Mm -hmm. So, and and she could hear it. And Paige Paige turned around and I watched her, you know, shake her head (laughs) and listen to her and apply it. So that's Mm -hmm. another aspect of that is that an injured player like Tori, who is incredibly crucial to this team, as far as the organizational aspect of it, was kind of, you know, giving a couple pointers so close behind Paige to just be able to to adjust it. So that is, I guess, a benefit. Um, But I, I, I had to chuckle a little bit because, you know, it's kind of like, hearing your mom in the stands and you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, overall the, the game itself, you, you mentioned the red card and I think it's very obvious where the game is split. Um, and it is in that moment um, where McCaskill gets sent off. I, it was very much uh, Chicago being able to kind of go in control the final third. The goal itself was very well constructed. Um, I believe it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was McCaskill who sent it to Watt, who then mm-hmm. sent it into Lubert. And and that mm-hmm. itself was just, it was able to pull apart um, one of those moments, like I mentioned, in, in this back line that's still kind of getting adjusted to not having Tory. Um, it, they were able to exploit them and, and find those openings. Then the red card happened, and I, you kind of, Chicago has no other option but to be defensive, but like you said, you, you want to say uh, the spirit took advantage of that and put pressure on it, but they didn't. There were moments when Watt was able to get up and get open and, and, and get a couple of shots off in the second half. Um, I think that that shift at halftime to a more natural flat three up front, because if you remember at the beginning of the game, it was uh, Sanchez and McClure that were up top and then and Yokoyama was kind of feeding underneath a little bit. Uh, that switch back to a, a flat three. Um, and sorry, the game was, so, I think it was McCool that came in um, mm-hmm. and contributed to that. Uh, you could tell in general itself a little more natural um, and was allowing a little bit of more of the attack to come together. Um, but you kind of in this situation with these young players uh, and these four games now two left, you, I, I wouldn't take anything away from Richie for trying to mix things up because I think mm-hmm. you have to figure out what you have to work with. Um, but it did, you know, going back to uh, a more natural feel for the team and the personnel that were playing allowed Sanchez to get more opportunities. Whereas before she was kind of out there on that Island on the wing, um, mm-hmm. it was, it was an opportunity to kind of, okay, let's win a game where we're up a, uh, up a player. So I, I again, I think that you have to, in these four games, try new things, but then the spirit were able to kind of realize they're up a player and that maybe they should just go in and try to get that, that second goal. Yeah, I, I think it, it was an interesting look um, because it, at the very beginning of the game, um, you know, I know after the game, um, both Richie and Ashley Sanchez said very clearly that, they were told to play with two up front and Yokoyama underneath. Um, but there were a few minutes at the beginning of the game where it seemed like they still wanted to be in that four, three, three instead, they still wanted 
um, mm-hmm. three forwards lined up across the front. And it sort of took some time for them to um, maybe adjust to what was what was supposed to be happening. Um, but I, I think it was an interesting idea, um, given that, you know, Chicago, like Sky Blue the week before, uh, wasn't really committing to too much of a high pressure uh, style of play. It was uh, not, they weren't sitting deep either. It was that mid-block look that um, you see a lot, especially coming out of um, these various stoppages in in uh, in the year because of uh, COVID-19. Um, it seems like a lot of teams are like, let's not overcommit uh, right now because one, it's harder to play like that. I think um, in week one, Richie mentioned some things about that, about people just running out of gas, uh, trying to chase the game um, and how he said that they wanted to adjust their tactics for, for this game uh, based on part in part to sort of save players legs and not have them run too much and just get too tired to, to play well. Um, And also, you know, the bench started to get short. You have the injuries um, that were piling up a little bit that uh, would have made it hard. You know, we've got the five subs, the the five sub regulation right now. And uh, the spirit did use all those subs, but it's still um, kind of a disruptive thing to have to make subs based solely on someone getting tired because they just haven't had time to get that fitness level. Um, But yeah, I, I, I think there were spells where, or maybe not even spells, but like flashes and moments where that, that front three looked like they had something going on. Um, When they were able to find Yokoyama between the lines, there started to be some promise there. There, there were a few moments in the first half that were not too bad. It's just that it was moments. It wasn't, you know, a 10, 15 minute spell. It was just, you know, this one attack and then a few minutes would go by with nothing really happening. And when you're the home team, that's or not only the home team, but a home team against a team that is playing their first game in quite a while. Um, and, and not yeah. only that, <laughs> playing with very limited personnel. I mean, Chicago came yeah. in injured as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, their lineup kind of shows that, you know, you're, you're talking about um, a back four for Chicago that the only player that played a bunch in the challenge cup uh, of that group is Bianca St. George. Everyone else is someone that only played one or two games, or I think Goralski subbed in a few times, with very small uh, chunks of games, you know, five, 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, Chicago came in with a, a pretty unfamiliar team. I think Sarah Lubert played twice in the challenge cup and that was it. And it was one start and then one off the bench. Um, so, yeah, they were in the same boat. Um, and I do think if you're the spirit, you've got to look at that aspect of it and say that the first half of the game maybe should have been a little better because you're facing a team that is traveling for the first time all season, traveling to someone else's stadium for not a neutral venue game, but a, a an away game of sorts. Um, you're dealing with all these injuries, the unfamiliar lineup, the the short bench, the fact that Chicago subs, uh, they had to use subs that are players that are on short-term contracts. Um, and then on top of that, uh, they had to play uh, down. They had to play 10 v 11 for a while. Um, all of that adds up to, it should have been a very favorable situation for the spirit, but they, they did end up having to really kind of struggle until the very end when they, you know, the last 20, 25 minutes, they started to really take hold of the game, but it took, all that time to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned something a little bit before about Yokoyama. I think if I am um, frustrated on behalf of her, she's one mm-hmm. of the most. Um, she's. I, I. I don't. I hesitate to say it, but she has the most potential here, and kind of been one of those players that is suffering the most from this what is 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic, the different seasons, um, everything like that, because she, she comes here, she has limited, um, Richie said that she has limited, you know, experience with the language and the communication aspect, but she is such a creative player. And in the challenge cup, you saw her take, you know, what felt like a hundred shots and just couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know, at times find the back of the net. And I think that she has the potential to be that creative 
uh, both creator and goal scorer for this team that they need, but she needs repetition and she needs uh, consistent training with this team to get familiar with it. Um, and so you're looking at a player that on top of a, a language barrier hasn't had the opportunity to get to know this, this young team as well. So I think if you take those two things into consideration, I mean, a, a lot of the players on the spirit are dealing with this is their per, first professional season or they're, they're stepping into a new role. And this is not a year that's going to be easy to do either of those things. But then you add on top a new country, a new language. Um, I just, I, every time I watch her, I, I, I want to be able to, I, there's, you know that there's going to be so much more out of her. And I, I, you know, whether it was kind of trying to figure out how to play underneath a little bit, um, or uh, it was just, it was just kind of frustrating. And I know that there's more out of her. So I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping that, that the spirit and, and uh, the team itself can kind of figure out how to utilize the best of what she has to offer. But it's hard to do because yeah. there's two more games. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. That's the, the real downside is that this, the strangeness of the fall series, which, you know, we found out through um, over the weekend, it came, it was all over Twitter about how, um, I guess the league has informed the clubs that the stats from these games aren't, they don't count as official mm -hmm. NWSL goals. So what, what even are these games? Um, it, it's a strange situation for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I think you bring up a good point about how can the spirit work better with Yokoyama? How can she figure out all of this stuff with this year where it's been so few games to really, um, and not only so few games, but there have also been stretches of time where there wasn't training. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when they left the challenge cup, they didn't immediately come back and get back to work. It, it was, you know, the league, you know, for good reason, let the players get away from it all for a little while because the, the bubble of the challenge cup was its own uh, mental challenge and physical challenge. Um, but, you know, you lose those training sessions that understanding isn't as, isn't where it would be at this point in the year under normal circumstances, certainly. Um, and, I, and I also, in this game specifically, I think, um the spirit kind of had trouble they had plenty of possession even even when it was 11 on 11 they they really controlled that aspect of the game which chicago was i think comfortable with it chicago didn't want to give away too much possession but they were fine if it was going to be you know 55 45 on that front um at least while they were 11 on 11 um but when you look at the some of the opta data it's just the spirit had plenty of defensive passes and touches, plenty of touches in the midfield, but the front line and, and, and Yokoyama, I'm, I'm counting her as part of this, just mm -hmm. didn't see a lot of the ball. It wasn't that she didn't do anything with it. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers right now and it's Yokoyama attempted 21 passes. Ashley Sanchez had 20, Katie McClure had 13. And these are players that all played over 80 minutes. So, um, I think maybe a point of emphasis for the spirit is figuring out how can they progress the ball uh, further up the field on a more regular basis without having to go out wide or um, having to go long or anything like that. Because if they're going to play the way that Richie wants them to play, eventually you do have to get good at um, moving the ball all the way into the final third. So your forwards actually see enough of it to, to be heavily involved. Yeah, and they got and you meant, they got stuck out wide a lot against mm -hmm. Chicago. I mean, the the wing players were just kind of on the end line, which is fine because when you're building like that, that's great. That's an extra pass, but it just it would stop. It would stop on uh, the sidelines, and it would either get turned over, or go out of bounds, whatever happened. It would just instead of like you said, progressing forward, it was they were progressing. They were moving laterally. And not and not getting into that final third. There were some good passes out wide. There were some good mm -hmm. connections, but then it was, you know, again pushing the field wide rather than um, uh, vertically. I absolutely agree. Um, so we, you know, we're we're talking about this how this game was sort of divided in half by the the red card, and you know, I, I was looking at the the lineup and the subs and everything to to prep for this and. When you look at the players that came into the game for the Spirit, they brought in uh, Megan McCool for Jay Bossier at halftime. 
Um, Jenna Hellstrom came in for Natalie Jacobs, uh, who, who was injured in the 67th minute. Um, Crystal Thomas and Brooke Hendricks came in and they, that was the move to a back three. Um, and then Jesse Scarpa came on just before stoppage time again. Um, but I, I wanted to know what your thoughts are on those players, because it does seem like those fresh legs, um, via their energy, via their, their approach to things, it certainly seemed like they were able to do some things against Chicago that, that weren't really happening in that first half, especially. Yeah. And I think that those players are going to be crucial. I don't know. There's constantly this long-term short-term game, like you said, and it's even highlighted by the, um, by the the lack of importance in in stats, basically. But the Mm. the long term is you're trying to figure out what what players you're protecting, where you're going, all of that. The short term is you're trying to win games. And these substitutes, I think, are always always the short term. Always, um, you know, Scarpa is clearly a difference maker, at least in the last two games, um, and being able to kind of get something for the spirit. Uh, whether it was drawing the drawing the penalty in the box or or um, you know scoring the goal, I think Jesse Scarpa. And it was interesting because I personally did not know this beforehand um, that she w- she has been dealing apparently with injuries on and off, and that's what's mm-hmm. limiting her. Um, but I also think it's that's going to be her role right now. I mean, I, I see her as that spark off the bench for the foreseeable future because of the the you know when. Hatch comes back, you have Sanchez, you have um, McClure, maybe a little bit more favored, um, Yokoyama. I just don't see her going in right away. Um, but mm-hmm. she's been that spark off the bench. So I think absolutely she gets um, a huge nod for her performance that she's been able to do. Um, and yeah, the Spirit have been able to take advantage of, of the substitutions um, and I can't remember. Crystal Thomas is also, I mean, she's not new, but she's always been a fantastic sub. Um, I also want to, I don't want to overlook her in this as well, because she created that goal, um, Mm -hmm. the Scarpa goal, and she did it in very Crystal Thomas fashion, which is um, fighting for it tooth and nail. Um, So that was, I do want to say that that she's also a fantastic uh, attacking option. I think Megan McCool, I, I, I think added to that, that natural feeling in the front. Um, I think mm-hmm. that she played really well along with uh, McClure and Sanchez as a, as uh, a, you know, as an attacking option going forward. But I think that I'm going to need a little bit more minutes from her to figure out where she fits into this, because I do think even with injuries, um, the spirit has a lot of, options going forward and um i i think the job is still pretty difficult for burke right now um when it comes to narrowing those those options down did i miss someone mm-hmm. that you mentioned uh i don't think so um but i, I mean i think it, it's interesting you you mentioned that thomas had to you know really fight for that that uh mm-hmm. the ball right before the assist and um I think there's something when you look at the subs that came in, the the players that, you know, Hendricks being a, a center back, she's kind of not really as involved in this because it's not really the job of a center back. But um, everyone else that came in, um, McCool coming in at halftime, she's made her mark by being really, really busy, um, getting getting physical, mixing it up, um, maybe a little chaotic at times, but also sometimes that's kind of what the spirit have needed. Uh, I think uh, I noticed that she had more uh, shots on target in the game than anyone else on either team, despite only playing for um, the second half. Um, And then when you extend that out and you say, you know, if that wasn't Megan McCool, that could also easily be Crystal Thomas. It's a very similar, uh, you know, description of a Crystal Thomas performance is very similar to what McCool did in this game. Um, Jesse Scarpa, now it's two games in a row where she's come in, she's had very little time to do something, but it's been uh, a lot of hard work, a lot of willing to willingness to put herself in the way, more or less, um, to make things happen. Um, whether it's, you know, diving in to score the goal in this game or to win the penalty kick against Sky Blue, 
um, you know, that sort of direct to the point, um, Jenna Hellstrom, I think, added a lot down the right side just by being, you know, every every single time she got on the ball, it was just straight up the field straight away. Um, and maybe that's, you know, finding, you know, obviously the spirit want to play a possession style. So being super direct is not compatible with that. But being able to mix that in, uh, I think maybe sometimes, especially with the players that are available right now, um, it might it might help them a little bit to be able to um, have a player or two who are out there that are just like, let's let's get to the point. Um, let's not necessarily string those extra couple passes together. Let's, you know, let's go straight at somebody or um, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot. Uh, I, I'm close <laughs> enough. I don't need to go for the extra pass. I'm going to have a go. Um, and I, I think the spirit, you know, some of it is just Chicago was tired. Um, but I do think that um, adding that extra element of a sort of a bluntness to the way the spirit were going about the end of the game. Um, I, I think it did end up helping them quite a bit. I mean, obviously it shows on the score sheet, but um, I think there is something to that that might we you know I, I depending on the injury report we're we're having this conversation before we get a chance to find out from uh, Richie Burke what what's gone on in the last week and a half of training we don't have an injury report we probably won't get that until you know Friday night um, because everything comes out this year very late um, <laughs> but in general I, I I find myself thinking that that when I rewatched the game uh yesterday as well and it it kind of i keep finding myself thinking that that's maybe something the spirit need at least right now with the players they have available is that that extra element of um someone who is a little bit of a contrast to the style of play um that that one person who can do something a little different from what everyone else is doing can sometimes really throw off the opponent um and in this case obviously it's not one person it's a handful of people but um i thought that that was a an interesting change to see. And I, I'm curious to see if Richie wants to carry that into the next game on the road or if, or if it just becomes, you know, you have to mix in the object of trying to win these games, but also trying to learn more about these players. So some of it is just like, can I get this player 45 minutes to see where she's at against a good NWSL team? Yeah. And I think that also with, like with Scarpa, the reason I think that she will continue to be an, a great option off the bench is exactly what you're saying. I think that in if we think back to 2019, some of the, the aspects that was missing is that ability to, if you're not winning the game, change up the plan. Um, because mm-hmm. like you said, she won't fit directly into the style of play. And, and it, it's it, so it extended period of time may not be the option, but having a player or two off the bench that guess what, if it's not working, shift the tactic and, and, and completely add in a forward that will just be able to get those um, hard fought kind of scrappy goals that just come mm-hmm. from instinct almost rather than building up to something. Um, I think it's really crucial. It's just, and I, I'm just thinking of this one now. So it's a, it's a curveball. I didn't even tell you I was going to th- ask about it because I, <laughs> wasn't in my brain before um but we are talking about a game where uh the spirit had to do without ashley hatch she was at the stadium but she had an ankle injury um she was i think even on the field for warm-ups but not participating she was just sort of around um and so this was kind of an opportunity for a lot of these players that um haven't really gotten that many looks because hatch played so much during uh the challenge cup and and also in that first game um from from the players that you know had that look whether it's katie mcclure or mccool or thomas or scarpa um did anyone stand out to you and say you know let's say hatch can't start this weekend um in chicago who are you thinking maybe should get the nod uh if if that comes to pass yeah so none of these players really in my head stick out as like that the replacement option that's going to be your I mean in my opinion there's no like for like right now on this team for an Ashley mm-hmm. Hatch um, and so you're going to have to do you're going to have to switch things up you're going to have to put the combinations um, I I don't think so like a, a Crystal Thomas you know she I think 
didn't show anything more than we knew, which isn't a bad thing. We know mm-hmm. exactly who she is and how well she can play. Um, I don't think I saw anything necessarily different in this game that I was like, wow, this is different. This is a direct option. But I do think that if necessary, and you will play that way, that we saw in 2019 she could fit into that role. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, looking at the more new players, I don't see anyone necessarily that I would slot in and, and, and be comfortable with the solution being she's now your goal scorer. She's your, the one that's going to cause trouble up top consistently um, and kind of take pressure off of some of these other players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I could rely on Crystal Thomas because I know what she's done before, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't able to see enough from any of the new players to say that, you know, that's really, and that's a tough thing to do because Ashley Hatch is absolutely just a, a beast when it comes to, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. Uh, scoring for this team so I mean um, did you see anything that stood out as far as you know where you would go and and I would even go a step farther and say like change the scenario a little bit don't think of it if you had to think of it a little outside of where we are now which is uh, a weird fall season of evaluation if you had to you you were the coach and you were going out to win the game but Hatch wasn't available is there a player there that you would be comfortable out and out saying there, there she is. There's the replacement. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a tricky one because we've seen only so much of these players. You know, um, Thomas. Obviously, we've seen the most of because of her 2019. Um, but you know, I think McCool has come in, and I think she's had a really positive impact in the last two games. I will say that um, I think it's maybe more as a wide forward from her rather than as a center forward. Um, And this, you know, the way that they had played in the first half, um, I'm not sure she necessarily lines up in either of those front two ahead of Yokoyama, assuming that that's who they want to play as um, that player between the two uh, lines. Um, So, yeah, I I guess it depends on the formation because if, if, you know, at, at halftime in this game, it wasn't just that they brought her in. It was also that, um, to to chase the game, uh, Yokoyama was playing as part of a midfield three. They they took Bossieri out, and Yokoyama was just a full time midfielder, and they went to that front three. Um, and and I think maybe that's that's a setup that is more to McCool's style of play and and skill set mm-hmm. right now. Um, and so I'm curious to see whether uh Burke wants to do that uh in Chicago or not. Um. And, you know, as it, you know, to take your hypothetical for just a, you have to you know, win this weekend, regardless of the, you know, taking away those, the circumstances we're, we're finding ourselves in. Um, I, I do kind of wonder because it seems like the spirit really want to play four, three, three, but playing, you know, with this, this diamond or, or, you know, a false nine, sometimes Richie has said it's a diamond. Sometimes he said um, it's a four, three, three, the false nine. Um but wanting to play this way, it's it's crept in enough times where I think it's it's not just an occasional thing. It really is a a plan A, plan B scenario. It's not this thing where it's like, well, every once in a while we can do this. Um, so I am interested to see whether um, that's, you know, is that actually the way they want to play? Um, or do they want to stick with a true front three? Um so I guess that's, it's kind of a cop-out of an answer, but um, it's also, it's it's hard to to say right now. Um, yeah. You know, is Crystal Thomas able to play long enough? Because, you know, at the Challenge Cup, she barely played at all uh, due to injury. And then in this game, she only got the nine minutes. I, f- I feel like if she were healthier, it would have been a longer substitute appearance than that. Because I, I know Richie likes to get her into games. Um, so yeah, it is, it's a difficult it's a difficult question to answer because we've got so little of a track record with these players. We haven't even, you know, you can't go to training and say, Oh, this, you know, this player looked sharp at training or anything like that. We have very, very little to go on this year, unfortunately. Um, so, so I guess from a, if you wanted to win the game straight away, I, I feel like, you know, I would do the, the sort of stock answer and say that, you know, Thomas is the most experienced of the players. She's the one that, mm-hmm. 
I have the best knowledge of as who she is as a player. So I'd probably go that way. Um, but this being the fall series, this being the stakes are relatively low right now. Um, you know, maybe there is something to giving Katie McClure another game um, to, to show what she can do. Um, maybe there is something to playing this same, this same uh, system this time, probably for longer. I anticipate there's not going to be another red card um, though. You know, Chicago, it wasn't that Chicago came into this game to play dirty or anything, but they were very physical, uh, which is a very Chicago Red Stars thing to do. This is not a team that um, tackles softly. They they come in for the ball and and probably for you as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Richie does because it is sort of a it's it's an interesting spot to be in because he does need to evaluate as many players as he can right now. And what he's got, the, the thing he's got the most of is healthy potential forwards. He's got so many players that can yeah. play up front, uh, whether it's wide forward or, you know, as a true nine or in a front three or a front two, he's got a bunch of players that can play some of, or all of those roles. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I kind of think that giving, uh, giving McClure more time might be a good idea, but at the same time, maybe you have to reward Megan McCool for coming in and making such an impact two games in a row. And um, maybe you need to look at expanding Thomas's minutes. Um, so, you know, she gets more of a chance to play with some of these players that you have to assume she's going to be back next year. I think there's no reason to suspect otherwise. So, um, or I guess I shouldn't say that because we're looking at a very chaotic off season with an expansion mm-hmm. draft. So who knows? Um, but if you want her to build these bonds with, with Yokoyama and with Ashley Sanchez, um, at some point you've got to put her on the field with them. And so far it's been, you know, she got seven minutes in this, uh, this Chicago game, uh, with them. And then, uh, yeah, she didn't even play against sky blue. So, um, maybe you do need to go with Thomas just to help build things up. It's not even about winning the game as much as it is about like, how can we use this game for the future um, by, you know, building up the group because, you know, we're, we're talking about a, we're also talking about a situation where the spirit had some pretty strong trade rumors involving possibly involving Ashley Hatch uh, to Utah that, that, you know, that went away um, after a while, but um, it does indicate that on some level, there are people calling and asking about her and, um, we certainly know the spirit are willing to make trades that are big trades. Um, you know, whether that was Mal Pugh, whether that was trading Rose Lavelle's rights to the rain. Um, if, if this is a team that if they think it makes sense to make the trade, they are not afraid to make the trade. Um, Although and, I will say, mm-hmm. <laughs> Richie said that, um, Richie said several times, you know, he has washed his hand of any involvement in the Rose Lavelle trade for sure yeah. and, and talked about how hard the Mallory Pugh one was I would say you'd have to pry very <laughs> hard um uh away Ashley Hatch after this year of trades from Bridgie Burke I think that definitely um you know at the end of the day it's a business move if if some if the right trade came up um but mm-hmm. as we were just talking it it's not only I mean, I think Burke values her very much. She's there as a key piece to this puzzle. But as we just went through, there's no, there's not really a backup right now. Um, so it would mm. kind of, it would, it would kind of throw a wrench right now in, in the attack if they were to, if we were to have a regular season. I don't think any of these young players right now are ready to just slot in right away and 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 provide some uh, consistent goal scoring opportunities. I think. Yeah, I think they would have to, they would certainly have to change the way they, they approach games going forward because Hatch plays a different style from all of the other players on this list. Um, and that's not to say that there's no way to pair them up. Um, the, the other players, there's no way to pair them up with the rest of the group, but it would, it would require a rethink of how the team goes about attacking. I, I, I don't think that Richie's going to drop the possession style um, or anything like that, but you know, some of the stuff that would need work would certainly be, um, you know, if you're looking at someone like Thomas or McCool, who is more of a high pressing forward, who doesn't necessarily have the speed to get in behind as often as Hatch does, you know, that's a lot of what the spirit are looking for is to play her 
um, through the channels. Um, and that option disappears a little bit, but you gain some things that, that Hatch doesn't do with some of these other players. But, you know, who knows? Uh, the the expansion draft, I, as, I assume it's going to be more chaotic than we expect, which is already pretty chaotic. Um, so we could be talking about a situation where all of these players get picked and traded back and, and traded elsewhere. It's every single team needs to batten down the hatches on what they expect coming out of, uh, coming out of that, because I know the, the, the Orlando one was wild. Um, the folks at Louisville, uh, you've got, uh, you know, James O'Connor is involved in that. He's not an NWSL guy. He's a, a guy that has experience in USL and MLS. Um, so it's it's very hard to predict what they're going to want other than some soccer players. Um, <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen and, and, you know, how, how team, who knows how teams are going to prepare for it. I know Chicago has talked about preparing for this expansion draft for like three years now, um, which is why you see so much depth uh, from them and how, how quickly they're able to call on players that Rory Dames has, you know, either coached in the past or developed a relationship with um, through scouting or some other means that uh, they always seem ready. So they're, they're, they're kind of the model I think for prepping for this coming possible wave of departures, because, you know, it could be that Louisville says, uh, we don't really want to play like the spirits or we're not even going to pick most of their players, but it could also be that they come in and say like, we want to take as many spirit players as we possibly can. Um, so that adds this uh, this element of strangeness that hangs over what's already very very bizarre. Um, but I guess I, I guess you know we're we're talking on uh, today is Tuesday. I almost forgot what day it was. Um, <laughs> and the spirit have their first real. I put it in scare quotes because it's not really the authentic road game experience of playing with the fans in the stands and all that. But it is a game where they have to go get on a plane, travel out to Chicago, play the Red Stars in Chicago, near Chicago. Um, and it, it's it's a first. They haven't had that moment yet. You know, they they went to Utah, but they did not play the Royals. And they also, that experience was almost like it might as well happened on the moon in, in certain ways. Um, what are your thoughts on, on how the Spirit are going to go about this new challenge of playing a road game in this weird fall series, in this weird year. Well, and then you add on to it, which you kind of alluded to, but they're playing a team back to back. There's, you know, there's, mm-hmm. um, there's, it's just them, Sky Blue and, and Chicago, and they have the, uh, the fortune of being in the middle where they're playing. Uh, they played Chicago at home. They had, they have this bye week of sorts. They got to watch Chicago and how they performed you know, differently. They were running. Chicago was going a little bit better. Watts seemed to really get into that goal scoring uh, role and, and, and things were, you know, you get to sit and you watch that, but is it too much time? Because now, like you said, they have to travel. So I think one aspect sure is the travel. Um, and we've seen teams handle it in different ways. Um, you, I wonder how much, you know, travel played into uh a couple of different games this weekend. So I think that is an aspect. I think at the same time, they're, they're well, I was going to say they're used to it as professional athletes, but a lot of the team, this is their first professional season. Um, yeah. But I think that it's it's more interesting and more daunting of a task tactically to go against Chicago, a Chicago team at Segra Field that is going to be, I believe, both personnel-wise and performance-wise, very different the team that they're about to go to Chicago and, and face. Um, so I think that it's, it's a little bit more daunting um, in that sense that you, you watch it's the team that performed on the weekend performed completely different than the team that you saw um, and then have to go out and, and play against them. I do think as much as we're talking about, you know, if Ashley Hatch isn't available, um, if, mm. if the team decides not to play or what's going to happen, I, I do think, get the sense that Burke is going to continue to use this time to evaluate. So I do think mm. McClure is going to get a little bit more of an opportunity. We are going to see a little bit um, shifting around because I think at this point, the focus is really on how, who to protect 
and how to start whittling down those attacking options and figuring out what the identity of the team is because you have a playing style and a coaching style and a, a way to pressure and a way to build, but we haven't yet seen the identity in the players and the personnel. Um, so I think that this is going to, I really think this might be just another um, evaluation game. And I think it is going to be an extremely, uh, extremely tough task. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're coming off of um, a weekend where the spirit were at home training while uh, Chicago and sky blue played out at Bridgeview and Chicago one four one, which is uh okay given how much trouble the spirit had in breaking down sky blues defense. And, and we're talking about a very similar lineup um, for sky blue. Uh, in fact, I think it's the exact same 11 that started against the spirit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Chicago managed to score three goals before halftime. You know, they, they went down early They Onomonu scored early and then Chicago had to come back, but the game was much more open than I think, I, that I expected, certainly, um, especially coming off of seeing both of those teams come out here and both play not outright conservative, but certainly not taking a ton of chances. Uh, and, you know, Sky Blue looked more to break on the counter uh, than they had in Utah. And then Chicago, especially after the red card, it was purely like, let's not run ourselves into the ground. And let's make sure that this yeah. thing stays really as uneventful as possible. But even before that, it wasn't like Chicago was taking a ton of chances and, and flying all over the field. They were looking to lock down the middle, stay compact. Um, and then when they got their opportunities to build quickly, they weren't necessarily playing into space as much as sky blue, but they were looking to attack quickly. It, it wasn't uh long buildups from the red stars, but then this game comes along and you see, uh, higher passing accuracy, uh, more shots. I think this was a game that had almost 30 shot attempts between the two teams. Um, and some of that is Sky Blue was trailing for a while, so they're trying really hard to come back. But um, I don't know. I, I watched the game, and I thought it was a, it was surprising to me that the two teams were so wide open after seeing them come to, come to Segra and not really open up like that. I, I don't know what you thought of the game. And so I, I well I kind of wonder because they, it was a, it was both teams' first games out, if I'm mm. I believe, right? Chicago's first game, yeah. Because so it was Sky Blue's first game against of, of the series when they came to Segra, mm -hmm. and they're traveling away. It should it was Chicago's first game of the series if I'm if I'm remembering yep. that correctly, and it was away at Segra. So. I, I do think that plays into it. Um, you kind of, you have to both, of, you know, the entire league was coming back from a short turnaround of training sessions. Um, and I think that that plays into, um, you know, how open you play, how attacking you play, um, how many chances you take because you, you're, you're trying to get your feet back under you. So I think you do have to take that into consideration. Um, I was surprised by Sky Blue, but I, I do think it has to do with, like you said, the trailing a little bit. They also, like, death by crosses. They had a ridiculous amount of um, offensive crosses in that game as mm -hmm. well. Um, and I just, I think that, I, mean, I think that it opens up because they have their feet under them and they're they're going into this series with a little bit um a little bit more confident too, because mm. they've seen how they are. And so going into that, I think that that might be a disadvantage for the spirit because you play the first two games at home. And even though you lose the first game, okay, it's the first game and you didn't lose by that much. You were able to, at the end, kind of um, maintain possession a little bit better, get, get your feet under you. Uh, second game, you end up winning, even though the, the other team's player down. I think that it might be another challenge that, this is their first trip of the series um, and that these two teams aren't going to be coming in a little scared. Isn't the word, but a little shy to play. I think that, mm. that the Chicago team is, is going to be a team that's, that's not playing shy at all. One, because they don't have to travel because they're playing at home and two, because of uh, the game against sky blue. So they, they have their feet under them. Whereas 
I think the spirit had been managing the ability to train at home, get some more uh, comfort in them, kind of ease into the series where these other two teams that they played were jumping right in. Um, so I think that this is also, there may be a little bit of um, travel uh, surprise or mm-hmm. opponent surprise as these other teams are now fully kind of into this it's hard to say fully because there's four games but into the swing of the team where instead of hosting a a team that's coming uh right off of training into the fire because we even heard uh Kelly Watt say after the after the spirit game you know they were they were just waking up they were getting their fitness they were Mm -hmm. dealing with you know travel and all that I just think that the the teams that the spirit have seen so far aren't true to the teams that are currently playing um or the, that they're going to face this week and then the following week yeah i think that's a that's a good point that you know it's once again everything is so strange that um these are these are such major factors in games this year but that's that's the way it is this year is that um you know you come into a game against a team who hasn't played in weeks and weeks. Um, and that plays such a, a factor in how the game goes. And, and then, you know, conversely, the next, the next time those teams play, they change quite a bit because they've now gotten their feet under them. So um, it, it's, I, I do wonder if this gap between games is going to impact the spirit positively because they've had, time to train and also time to scout these teams and, and see what's going on with them uh, more recently than over the summer. Um, but on the other side, you know, Chicago had a game last week. The spirit have had, we're going to walk into this one with 14 days between games, which I think every coach you and I talk to will complain about that being too much time. They don't, they don't like that yeah. much time between games. So um, it's, it's a, it's a tricky proposition for sure. Um and so it's, I, I hate to, to end on this, but it is, it's hard to predict what the game is going to be like. Um, but uh, I figure we should give it a shot. Um, what, what do you think? What, what, what is your score prediction? What do you expect to see in this one? So I am, I am leaning to the mindset that even if players um, like Hatch or even a DiBiase, uh, I know that Tori said she's working back, uh, Tori mm-hmm. Huster's working back. Um, I'm leaning to even if they are, you know, I can contribute. I don't know if you give them this game or not um, Mm -hmm. because there's travel involved and there's a lot of variables. So I think, like I said, it is going to be once again, a little bit of an experimental attack um, and, and seeing some of these younger players. I, (laughs) I'm not going to be very favorable, unfortunately, to the spirit in this one. I think that, um, Maybe another four one or three one game. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go three one. I think the Spirit have the ability to score. Um, we've seen that in many different ways. Even if they're, you know, even if they're losing, but I don't know if they have the ability to kind of hold off Chicago. So I think I'll go. Yeah, a three one to Chicago for this one. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of defaulting to the assumption that there's going to be uh, a draw um, mostly okay. for the fact that it's just, things have been so odd um, that these games get a little choppy. And the fact that the spirit have a more established defense than sky blue, I think is, is a, um, is something in their favor. Uh, I think Um the fact that they can control the tempo of the game a little more than sky blue at this point is also a way for them to manage the game a little better. Um, but, but, you know, I, I don't think you're off base because we are talking about, st- we're still talking about a spirit team that missing the players they've been missing um, with the youngsters that they have in the group that are still experiencing their first either pro season or first NWSL season. Um, it, it is the kind of situation where it could be, uh, a game that kind of gets away from them, not because they played badly for the entire game, but because just in a few moments they let themselves down. Um, but but I, I don't know. I find myself thinking 1-1 it is, it feels like a reasonable uh, scoreline to me with, um, I, I have a feeling Ashley Sanchez has a goal this weekend as well, but I don't know yeah. exactly why. 
I just feel like uh, this is more of a gut level prediction from me than a one that I've really thought through. But that's that's where I'm going. But I don't think you're off base because Chicago has always been a tough place for the spirit. Um, and, and I think just because 2020 has been weird doesn't mean that some of these NWSL traditions continue. And one of them is that the spirit have had a tough time in <laughs> Chicago. And, you know, this this week between games isn't going to necessarily uh, guarantee that they work out the things that they needed to work out heading into this one. Well, and I also, I'll agree with you on this one. I'll say Mm -hmm. that the one goal that is scored by the spirit comes from Sanchez as well. I don't know why, but I I do. Maybe it's her, the fact that she has just been so much in the attack these last two games, though she gets drawn out, the the opportunities kind of get shut off because she's a talented player and people know. I will say Mm -hmm. that I think that she's due for a goal. So I'll say that my one goal does come from Sanchez. So we can agree on that one. <laughs> Perfect. That's a, that's that's a great way to end the show. We can end with uh agreement. Uh it's nice. It's nice <laughs> in 2020 to have to have something go not necessarily according to plan, but at least, you know, people are matching up on some front. Um I, I'll take it at this point. Um Emily, thank you again for coming on. Um what do you what do you want to plug? Uh I know you just started doing work with the equalizer, which is really cool to see. Uh, yeah, so, well, you mentioned that um, by the time that this podcast comes out, uh, there is a piece I actually just did for them, um, a longer piece on Kaya McClue um, and her move to Germany. And I think that it is a really good piece that everyone should take uh, take a look at if they have a chance. She was very open in her conversations about what she and Tegan McGrady went through in Utah and kind of her decision to refine her love of uh, the sport again because as much as we see her and hear her on social media doing all of this uh, social activism uh, she hasn't been getting minutes and so she's mm. she's in search of those so if I do if I can plug one thing I think it would be specifically that feature um, I've been doing a little bit more work for the equalizer which has been awesome during this fall series so yeah that's what I want to plug you can check that out on on twitter or the equalizer.com all right and uh let people know where they can find you on Twitter as well. Cause they might miss that if they're, if they're just following Plex weather, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> my Twitter is just my name, which is Emily, the letter T and then Olsen, O-L-S-E-N. And uh, yeah, that's where I do most of, you'll even find links and all of my reporting there for all of the Washington based soccer teams. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, my thanks to Emily for coming on. Obviously, it's been a strange year. We keep bringing up how weird things are, but the coverage has been good uh, from Emily. Uh, it's been cool to see her doing stuff. Like she said, the the piece that uh, she mentioned with Kaya McCullough on uh, Equalizer Soccer, it came out literally as we were doing the show. So um, it is already out. Uh, you should have seen it by now. And if you're not, go, if you haven't seen it, go find it. It's uh, I think it's worth your time for sure. This show at Plex Weather on Twitter. Uh, the website is plexweather.pinecast.co. Um, the tip jar is still there. Uh, if you're inclined, if you think the show deserves it, um, if you're able, uh, I think that's the most important thing to throw out there in this uh, uh, coronavirus environment. If you're able, if you can do it, uh, if you feel like doing it, it would be awesome. It really means a lot to me and, and helps actually fund this thing. Um, the link to that is on the podcast website it's also in the bio of the twitter account uh you can find the show on google podcasts apple podcasts stitcher spotify possibly other places i don't know how all this stuff works yet i probably never will (laughs) if i'm being honest i'm never going to be an expert podcaster despite having done over 500 podcasts by now i guess i'm just hard-headed uh and on that note uh with the appropriate self-deprecation thanks again for listening in and uh, we'll have a, actually I'm about to cut off. Uh, there will be another episode before the next game. So uh, enjoy. It's a double dip. This show, this episode got long. So instead of subjecting you to another 90 to 100 minute episode, I'm going to cut it in two. So this is number one, having a player uh, join me in the next couple of days to talk about how things are going and also this coming game against Chicago. So uh, hopefully that format is going to be a little better. It seems like it's, it seems to me like it would be better. Uh, if you agree, let me know. If you are fine with the long episodes, let me know as well. I'm very flexible on these things. I want to hear back from 
from all of you listening to the show. And, and, you know, if you've got things that you want to be hearing about that I'm missing, please let me know as well. If you've got things that you did enjoy that you want me to keep bringing up, I can do that as well. Uh, so thanks again. Thanks for your future feedback. If that's coming as well. And, uh, I'll talk to you soon.